Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you need an inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day, every little thing's gonna be a-okay. Hey everyone, new episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Hey, everyone. I am here today with Matt Roden and Robbie Roselle, who are my special guest as I do a little Monday morning quarterbacking about what was BroadwayCon 2017. So before we begin, I just want to read quickly some highlights of these two amazing guests that I have in the booth today. And then we'll we'll get into it. Are you guys ready? It sounds so good. So ready. All right. So Robbie Roselle is a writer, director, and graphic designer who was one of the driving forces behind Playbill Pride and Broadway for Orlando's What the World Needs Now is Love. The former creative director of Playbill, Robbie is now the graphic designer for Broadway Records. He writes and directs cabarets regularly for Tony nominees Melissa Errico and Kate Baldwin, among others. He has been called the Diva Whisperer. He regularly tweets niche musical theater jokes at Diva Robbie. Matt Roden is an art entrepreneur, get mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Who oh. believes that art is a channel to the truth. He's a content creator. I was going to say he's a content creator. I'm content too. I'm both of those things. I'm content. <laughs> he's happy. a content, happy, content creator, an actor, a host, a son, a brother, and a loyal Jason Mraz fan. He's the creator of the Red Carpet Challenge and the co-creator of the viral video series Bro Dway, Mm -hmm. which is hilarious. Thank you very much. The Cynthia Erivo one in particular um, is one of my faves. Me too. So it's uh, the day after what was one of the most extraordinary weekends of my life. I've never been to Broadway Con. I mean, I know there's just two, but still, I'd never been to one. But I got to go to two. And I just have to say, to be in the bubble of Broadway joy and passion. That's what it is, really. So starting with you both, who were there last year in what was the inaugural Broadway Con Mm -hmm. event, what for you was different perhaps about this year and last year but what made this one so special first of all the weather this year last year was the weather outside was frightful oh, was, last year yeah, yeah. Uh, we were stuck in, I almost said hurricane we were stuck in that the blizzard Jonas mm-hmm. um, and thankfully the 
the Nick last year. or Joe. Uh, Kevin, Schmeppy. Nice. All of them. Nice. Did you say Schmeppy? Yeah. Is that what you should Schmeppy Jonas? Yeah. Is that like the little brother that's not in the band? He's the cat. He can do it. I don't know. like the oh. non-talented one. Uh, <laughs> um, so we were stuck in that, but it was also at the, the Midtown Hilton mm-hmm. uh, on two floors, and they couldn't leave. Like, nobody could leave. So we were just stuck. Right. All Broadway shows were canceled, so we were making up programming as as it went along because there was not enough stuff for these wonderful people to do. And people couldn't get into the city. Nowhere. Right. Like there were so, a lot of panels that were full of people that literally could not right. commute in, so we just were like making stuff up on so the it spot. So there was a lot of improv that went on last yeah. year. Yeah, it felt it was very like homegrown. It was because it was in a hotel and it was just it was a little more intimate in that way. And I think again because we were sort of like flying by the seat of our pants, it was just kind of like we were all in this thing together yeah. making it sort of happen. Everybody that was working behind the scenes, mm-hmm. which I I, I kind of was and I think you kind of were too it was cool to sort of watch the thing sort of just emerge out of this what seemingly seemed like a terrible what seemingly seemed like a terrible situation (laughs) yeah right I mean (sighs) musical theater major was did not go to school there will be no math (laughs) yeah perfect I want to say other than the second Broadway con that's the end of the math for today no addition good no none Blake Ross, the editor in chief, uh, ran of Playbill at, at the, the time, time uh, ran up to me uh, because people were canceling left and right and just screamed, "Who's in your phone that we can call?" And did like that party line that night. I was like, uh, "Laura Benanti, Patty, who do you want?" Um, yes, I'd like, like Laura Benanti and Patty <laughs> That would be great. Because they were just to then what to, to have them like call in they, or can they yeah, get here? They like party lined. With like a screen, like FaceTime. Yeah, they did. Um, they did this like uh, Blizzard hotline, which they actually did this year again, sort of as like a throwback. As a throwback. They, Is that when they skyped with Lin Manuel? No, that oh. was the Hamilton thing. But that was the same vein in that like they had a group of people just like sitting on stage, calling everyone they had in their phone and FaceTiming them for like the entire crowd at BroadwayCon on the main stage. Chris Rodriguez did an impromptu concert, per, like a whole concert, yeah. like a whole yeah. set. Mm-hmm. It was just I know Judy Kuhn uh, and Fun Home People made it there because I remember talking to her on the phone and she's like, there's a blizzard and I'm going to leave my house now and I really don't want to disappoint. So Michael Servers and I are going to somehow make our way up there. And I think they did. Yeah. Because she walked. I think she walked oh, like her. 20. Judy Kuhn. Pocahontas. Right there. was there. so much. I mean, there was so much snow. Like, it, you, the streets were all closed. We right. were, we were walking through the middle of the streets. That's right. Like, I forgot that. Well, the weather was absolutely gorgeous. It was gorgeous. This weekend. Yeah. And for me, walking into the Javits Center, I've never been to Comic-Con, which I know was sort of the idea that they were going to take something like mm-hmm. that for Broadway fans. So I didn't know what to expect. But this year, Broadway Con was in the Javits Center, which is this huge convention center here in New York. City. There was a boat show going on, a travel show. There's a lot going on at There's once a food in the Javits court. Center. There's a lot there. Uh, I actually went to that food court with Sir Robbie right here. That's true. Um, for well done fries. They were delicious. <laughs> and I walk in and immediately I thought, oh my God, with all that's been going on politically in the world, to walk into a room and the first thing I see are like these two girls dressed in their wicked costumes doing like karaoke for good. And for someone like me, that's not an unhappy moment. That's a really happy yeah. <laughs> moment. And it went from there. And to kind of just walk around surrounded by all of these fans, young and old, loving 
just being in a room with like-minded, passionate people. And let's just go through the list for a minute of stars that I can think of off the top of my head Great. that performed or were on panels. We already mentioned Judy Kuhn, mm-hmm. Anthony Rapp, mm-hmm. Carmela. Carolee Carmelo. Um, I'm sorry, Carmela. Um, she was married to Tony on The Soprano. This is going <laughs> great. <Carmella>. Carmela <laughs> Soprano. Now, how do you say her name? Carolee Carmelo. Thank you. Carolee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. She was there. That Oak, redheaded Oak from goddess. Hamilton. Okay. Yeah. Anne Harada. <laughs> the entire Wicked. Anyone who's yeah. ever been in Wicked. Wicked was there. Um, all the people. Whole cast of Bronx Tale. The whole cast of Dear Evan Hansen. Bandstand. Bandstand. Mm -hmm. In Um, transit. In transit. The cast and director of the new upcoming speech and debate film. Oh, yeah. yeah, They did especially. Then there were panels on B.D. Wong, among others, did a panel on Asian Mm -hmm. American actors. And there were a lot of writers and political uh, activists talking to. This was really amazing to me. The playwright Paula Vogel. Oak from Hamilton, Tina Landau, the amazing director, um, Celia Keenan-Bolger, all of them sort of taking this opportunity to be in a room with thousands and thousands of fans and talking to them about all of the passion that they have for Broadway and taking all of that powerful feeling and channeling it just as effectively and passionately into some form of activism. And I thought... You know, I, I often am not sure, is this the place to be political? Mm-hmm. We're all here to kind of just celebrate the arts. But somehow it was done with such kind of effortlessness. Yeah. Um, and it felt right. It felt right to me. What did you guys think I, about that? I, yeah, I think I think art is sort of innately active in the sense that, like, it does paint a picture. It is about sort of what's going on in the world. And in a place where there are so many like-minded people that share a common passion, when someone speaks about something, that entire crowd is just like the most engaged. They are just like listening with open ears and open hearts and just like ready to soak in anything. I mean, yeah. I was on a panel and listen, like I'm not fancy. Okay. I like, I don't know any people that love me, whatever. Well, Robbie and I, I love you. I love I, you. Well, I love you yeah. guys too, yeah. but it's true. But like, you know, for fans or for anybody to hear what I say and think what I say is important and go, you've inspired me da, 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 right. to do this. Who am I? Well, what you're touching on right now, I, I have a couple of thoughts off the top of my head. One, what was so incredible is that it was an event, whether you were B.B. New Earth sure. or whether you were a fan of Chicago mm-hmm. and everything B.B. New Earth has been in. Everybody was together. Yeah. There was no, like, security guard at the stage door making sure, like, there are very few events like that. Whatever your role is in the Broadway community, be it fan or performer, Mm -hmm. everyone was one family. And I'm not just saying that. I witnessed it and experienced it over over and over over again, where performer after performer spent a lot of time one-on-one with everyone who came up to them and was like, thank you. This is my chance to say thank you. And it was really powerful. I think in this industry, we get the stage. We get to be in the theater with each other. We get the stage door to have that interaction. We have the internet to have those interactions. Mm -hmm. And this is sort of the only place where fans can connect in a real, you know, real-time physical way with people that they've admired or or look up to 
their whole lives. You know, they idol. I mean, they idolize these people. I just think it's so remarkable that the it, generosity yeah. and spirit oh on all sides. God. Robbie and I were talking yesterday at Broadway Con. You know, it it is no secret that so many people who become involved in the theater community, whether it's plays, you know, straight plays or or musicals. At some point in their lives, if not for most of their lives, felt like an outsider, that in their community, for whatever reason, they just didn't feel like they fit in. And when they found the theater department Mm -hmm. or community theater or wherever that was in their lives, suddenly, like, they breathed a little easier and their step was, was a little lighter. That was me. That was me growing up and discovering the high school musical that literally saved my life. And now I've spent all these years just giving back because I'm still here and alive. And I think um, to to touch back, we as artists, we have a voice and we are given this platform, the BroadwayCon platform, uh, or just any sort of social media platform to say what is important. And that's why I think so many of the panels turned to politics so quickly. I had a gentleman who came up to me at my booth. Um, I was there with Broadway Records, and uh, we did the What the World Needs Now is Love. Um, yeah, Seth Rudesky was on my show, and oh, yeah. we talked in great detail about how that came together a, and how powerful it was. What an amazing day. But this, uh, I, I think he was a Puerto Rican-American gay man who, so like Pulse Nightclub was like... Um, a Puerto Rican uh, gay yes, nightclub. Yes. Uh, so his people, he came up to me and thanked me for my work on it and started to cry. And I started to cry. Um, and listen, I designed it and, you know, was in the room when it happened. But I just, I lost my mind. It was so beautiful for me and touching for me. Um, well, we, you know, we talk a lot about how it's incredible the community. You know, I, I, in a way, have become closer to you guys because of Twitter, sure. right? So as someone who is, like, completely, like, I don't understand the social media, <laughs> but it sure feels good to have so many friends. There's nothing that replaces human contact. You can virtually praise each other. Mm-hmm. But to get to say thank you and look someone in the eye and hold their hand in your hand at the same time, which is, you know, what the yeah. Broadway for Orlando cover sort of was yeah. that you were a part of designing. Um, well, to that end, you know, there was a moment, there are a couple of takeaways for me. Janine Tesori, who wrote the musical Fun Home with Lisa Crone, mm-hmm. said to a panel, anything we do in person is a political act. Showing up is a political act. I think all of us right now feel like, Horton, here's a who. Like, we are here. We are here. How do I in a little fluffy ball floating around in space like Whoville feel impactful? And I think to have so many numbers of people in one room who are like, we are you. We were the outsiders. We were the misfits. We Mm -hmm. were the people who feel like we didn't have a place. We are emotional immigrants in America. If not, (laughs) wow, that's a good way of putting it. Like, if not literally immigrants from other countries, I mean, the Lynn Manuels and, and all of these incredible voices in our theater who are either immigrants or the children of immigrants. To be together, it really was, and I say this with so much love, it was like the inmates had taken over the asylum, right? Like oh, here, yes, here oh, we yeah. were, like literally in a safe kind of padded walls <laughs> of the Javits Center. We could all fly our freak flags with such joy. And I think every one of us who's in the theater um, 
shares the same quirks and passions and feelings of outsiderness that all the fans of theater feel as well. I think that's the through line. I, to me, that's the key to everything in, in, in that space because everyone who's there has this, like we all were the weirdo. We yeah. all were that kid. And so when you meet somebody like a, a fan of yours or you meet B.B. Newirth, everybody shares this just like common love for musical theater, for Broadway maybe specifically, but really I think it's just like the art form of theater. It's It's... And to see people dressing up in, like, costumes and going, like, full out. And having so much fun. Where else could they do that? Yeah. Where else? Halloween. I guess. 365 days a year at the Jeff. Right. (laughs) Right. But, like, maybe, because the truth is, like, I don't know if those kids are going to dress up as Elphaba and Galinda for Halloween. The boys won't, but they could there. But they could. And that's what was really amazing. I saw the hottest male Elphaba. I was like, you know what? They should rethink. Where's Mark Platt? (laughs) Can we rethink this? this? Can we rethink this? I had a really sweet thing happen. You know, also just how long-lasting things are. Like, I remember all the musicals I saw as a young person and any interaction with somebody in that show was really moving to me. And I remember very much led by Anthony. Anthony played Charlie Brown. Anthony Rapp played Charlie Brown in the production of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown that I did as Lucy. That I stage-doored. That you stage-doored, which is how we met originally. And he had just done Rent right before this show and had more interaction with fans than any show in Broadway history before that because that was the beginning mm-hmm. of... Yeah, that's so interesting. Right, like really, yeah. and kind of cults growing out of the, fa- you know, rent heads, right? Other than Grateful Dead's deadheads, there were suddenly these rent fans and they had names and the internet was active growing up at the same time as mm-hmm. that show happened. Yeah. So suddenly there was a way for like-minded, obsessed fans of rent to get to know each other and form communities and people would sleep on the ground you know it's what's happening now right the Nederlander has no stage door so the cast would go in and out the same doors as the audience so they had where rent was the original rent yes yes so they were almost forced to interact not that they didn't want to but that was it was organic, yeah. and then that cast really took to it. Emotionally, was comfortable with that, and mm-hmm. Jonathan Larson would have wanted that. So it was this whole movement. Yeah, I only bring all of this up because sadly I wasn't in Rent, although I thought I was because I saw it as much as anyone uh, <laughs> on the planet. But Anthony was really a leader for me in terms of I had done many plays on Broadway, but I'd never been in a musical. Mm. And it's a very different kind of fan base. And it's a much more passionate, unbridled, no, it's like the Wild West out there when you come out your stage door. The enthusiasm is intoxicating, but it's overwhelming, too. And and it's really hard doing eight shows of a musical a week. And you kind of want to just stay in your dressing room and sleep in between the matinee and the evening show. But Anthony taught me so much about what it means to give back to your audience, because he would go out after every show and sign hundreds and hundreds of autographs. The Charlie Brown fan base was a really interesting mix of Rent fans who mm-hmm. kind of are so loyal and went to all of that cast's next projects. And like little kids who felt like, I felt like Nancy Kerrigan and like, like you know, oh you felt God, like an ice, yeah. right? Like they were really young and just looking at you and mm-hmm. their moms would be like, she's a Lucy. Oh. As if it were like 
Not in, I was like, you mean she has an opinion? Right. And is a feminist? Good for you, Gloria. Right. So (laughs) that was the beginning, right? But there's no, that's no surprise to me. That Anthony was And then he started Broadway Con. Started Broadway yes, Con. that's my whole point. Sorry, that took me twenty minutes to say that and he's everywhere at Broadway Con. Everywhere. He's literally it's his baby. Like, it's his baby, but he's sweeping up if something spills and he's taking he's signing autographs and he's yeah. like running mm-hmm. around making sure everybody's okay. And you know, then you hear the soundtrack of rent going on somewhere and you're like, That's what? That's him? Oh, crazy. That's Mark Cohen. That's Mark Cohen. Yeah. But also this woman found me at Broadway Con yesterday with a playbill from Charlie Brown that had my entire cast's autographs on. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so sweet. She's like, I've been waiting to find you for 15 years because oh, oh you were the only one I didn't get that day. My mom made me leave and we'd had everyone and I couldn't get you. Could you sign it now? And here I am with this woman who clearly was eight at the time and oh. now she's a grown up. And I thought... Yes. Yes, I'm yeah, happy to sign. And I also felt like, so what have you been doing? Like, what's been <laughs> happening for the last 15 years? It was just this very powerful, sweet thing because I got it. Like, she had had an experience mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it wasn't quite finished yet. She needed, like, the dot, at the the period at the end of it's the unbelievable. sentence. You were that period. That's I beautiful. was her period. Okay. <laughs> Let's all calm down. She got her period. <laughs> she got her period. At Broadway Con yeah. and I gave Good. her something. <laughs> You close her with that. that. No, I think what you said about social media is just so, I mean, it's just the most true that like those communities, I mean, Broadway Con and any of the cons, they've only been able to happen because of social, because of these online communities that have been able to form. I mean, it's, oh, it's called conference, but also it could be Broadway Com for community, but conference, because that's where people came together over like common ideas. And again, with the stage door idea that like, you know, there are people on Twitter that we can, you know, you and I can have a relationship on Twitter and we can interact that way. And And my husband doesn't mind because it's on Twitter. Right. Right. It's fine. (laughs) We can have a relationship. Um, You know, and this is the other thing I tell people on social media all the time. Social media was never meant to replace human interaction. It was meant as a catalyst. So the whole purpose was to create human connection so that it would lead to these types of conversations, me sitting with you here now. And so many of the people who came to Broadway Con were friends who had met online. Mm -hmm. And for the Mm -hmm. first time, I watched reunion after reunion happen between these groups of people. I had fans that I've never met before that that like everything I post, share everything I post. And the girl came up to me and she was like, I'm Allie. And I was like, oh my God, you're Allie. And I was so excited to see her and she was excited. It was, but it's just those like beautiful, wonderful moments where you can say thank you. And I just, I love it. I love it. And (laughs) all of the performers did multiple, multiple panels and Mm -hmm. autograph signings Mm -hmm. and picture booths. Like, these actors, no one, just so my listeners know, none of the talent that performs at Broadway Con gets paid. It's a it's a true um, labor of love. Yeah. It's a true wanting to say thank you and meet the people who are responsible for their careers, yep. um, having longevity. And at one point I did a panel with Judy Kuhn and there was this guy there who was Really, like of all the things that we were talking about, he kept going back to Pocahontas. That had meant so <laughs> much to him. And he told a personal story about why. And all of a sudden he was like, I, I took, we, we took questions from the audience and every time 
we circled back to him. It was a Pocahontas-related question. And finally, at the end, he raised his hand again, and we're like, okay, what else is there going to be? We told how she got this song (laughs) opportunity, what, you know, how they did it. How do you record a song for a a soundtrack for a film? On and on and on. And um, he said, Judy, would you sing Colors of the Wind? And... She looked at me, and I looked at her, and I was like, what, are you going to say no? (laughs) Right. Like, really? And all of a sudden, like, there's Judy Kuhn, four-time Tony-nominated diva, who's on her day off, Mm -hmm. basically. Who had just come from Battery Park, where she was protesting. She was protesting, and... and, uh, and five other, you know, concerts. She just started, she opened her mouth, and it was literally like she'd been warming up all day and in like the most perfect, melodic, sweet, gentle, filled the entire convention center. Yep, and all of a sudden, like, you could hear a pin drop and people are walking over and everyone stops what they're doing and it was magical. That's iconic. And I looked at this kid and, like, there's just tears streaming down his face and I was like... Broadway con, drop the mic, yeah. boom. He'll never forget that for the rest of his life. I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. And like, I, I, like that's what this is. Like, that's yeah. what this thing is. Yeah. It is full of those moments that are just like, I, I make my heart so, and again, like with what's going on in our world now, like we, we need this and we all need this more than ever. And what I was worried about, not to, not to bring up Charlie Brown again, but Andrew Lippa wrote this song called Beethoven's Day, mm-hmm. where Schroeder, you know, like mm-hmm. Lucy's like, let's sell Beethoven T-shirts. And he's like, commercialize, you're commercializing, like kind of the take on yeah. Schultz's don't commercialize Christmas, don't commercialize Beethoven. So I got really nervous when I heard there was like a Broadway convention. Like, is it all going to be like vendors and this commercialized, yeah. like Whoops. People hawking their wares that are Broadway related or trying to sell things not to yet. Broadway no, fans. Not yet. And it wasn't. No. I never felt like someone was like, sign up for my sign on the, yeah. you know, dotted mm-hmm. line. Mm-hmm. Not that people weren't letting you know what was available if you love Broadway or yeah. if you want to be a singer or a performer, but it was such a celebration and and a non-commercialized feeling. And that was impressive for me in a convention center. I think what was different uh, from this year to last year was that last year, again, we were on two floors. Mm-hmm. So that was hard where like there, I don't think there were conference rooms on the second floor. Like there, or maybe there were, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, there were a couple. But there wasn't sort of this set, like the marketplace was not centralized last year. It was kind of sort of offset and it wasn't like a place that people hung out. No. And this year... Um, just sort of the location of the marketplace. I mean, it was this. It was the central sort of heartbeat yeah, of the hub. whole. Yeah, yeah of yeah. the whole thing. And the and the rooms, the conference rooms were right off of the marketplace. The main stage was like down and around, like far, far, far yeah. away. But it was nice because there was this sort of open location in the middle of everything where that's where like everybody hung out. That's yeah. where everybody sort of totally. That's where I bumped into so many friends I hadn't seen. But what's going on in all those rooms is. Anthony Rapp giving a vocal masterclass or, you know, some major Broadway choreographer teaching you like the steps to Wicked Mm -hmm. or how to do makeup for Wicked. All of the professionals who spend their days backstage or on stage came in and were like, you want to know, we're going to lift the veil. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be a secret. No, We want you to know how we do this because you deserve to know. All the magicians showed you how to do their tricks. And it's, and I, I said to somebody at the panel, I was like, there's no 
there's no market too niche. I was like, look at where we are. I was like, there are, like you said, like the original makeup designer for Wicked probably isn't a celebrity anywhere else in the world. Yeah. But at BroadwayCon, oh he is God. like royalty. Yeah, people were like pulling. He was like a beetle coming in. <laughs> Isn't that, but like, that's amazing. Jackie Byrne yeah. told this, you know, all we want to know is what, like what went wrong. Share things that went wrong that yeah. we in the audience didn't know. And she told this hilarious story of going up in the elevated, when when you're Elphaba and like the big <laughs> defying gravity yes. moment. Um, and, uh, and she forgot her broom on the floor of the stage and like the whole thing is like here's the broom and she does a magic spell to make the broom have magical powers and she, like it's all about the broom. the broom you can't fly without the broom, the broom. Right. right so she just told the most hilarious story about like she was like getting to the thing and she straps herself in and you know it's going up and all she said she's trying like if I could just get the broom off the floor and she's up there and she's spending the entire song like doing her best to make her hands look like create like I'm a broom <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and also flop sweating the whole time like sure. I'm fired when I come down I'm gonna be fired because the whole show is about this broom the whole moment and what fans you know there's a lot of repeat fans mm -hmm. who come see uh, these yeah, shows, yeah. right? If the understudy, the standby, like both somehow got run over by a car, they could like, you and A7, can you get up here? And they'd be perfect yep. in the show, which is like sad for us actors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm off book right now. Robbie's so. ready. Yeah. So she just told the most hilarious story of like also flop sweating. Like I'm sure the green face <laughs> was, was like there were like off, flesh yeah. color because she's like, I don't have the broom and I'm really, I'm important, but the broom is really important. <laughs> and how she came off stage and literally like no one noticed. Like she's like, okay, well, I'm sure the stage manager will call me and tell me in my dressing room, like I'm fired now. Like all day she was like, when, oh, I'll go home and I'll get the call that I'm fired. And it just turned out like, well, maybe she was really effective. Her hands really <laughs> looked like, go. she's no. amazing. But to get to hear, like me, like I'm a grown up lady who's been on Broadway and I am the crazy, rabid 18 year old fan who is like, Oh my God, that's how they like lock themselves mm -hmm. into mm -hmm. the like cherry picker that takes them up into the sky. Or Anne Harada told this amazing story of like throwing up on stage. <sighs> and luckily there was a bucket as a prop, but literally like all of her castmates having it was literally a story about the show must go on is yeah. the phrase. Mm -hmm. And she was like, mm, should it? Like, <laughs> like, at what point? Well, at what point do you say like, mm, I maybe don't know. not? Or like, a stage manager had died while calling the show, and the show kept going. And it's interesting because we were thinking afterwards, talking about like, what other business is there where on the door the plaque says the show must go on? Like, if you were at, let's say, Google, mm -hmm. at a staff meeting, yeah. and the person presenting all the information with their cute PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> collapsed and died you would like stop meeting you'd over. stop the meeting yeah, yeah. you stop <laughs> or like your waitress suddenly like is bleeding oh, from yeah. her neck she's gonna <laughs> stop taking your order and you'd be like you know what it's okay you get in an ambulance I'm gonna get my eggs Benny someplace yep. else oh my god but there's like I thought that was a really good 
point mm-hmm. and at the next equity meeting, I think we should really address, should the show go on? What, what's the line? No, I mean, I saw I saw the final dress of the encounter that just was on Broadway for a couple, like for a handful of weeks. Yes, you and, encountered it. Yes, I encountered it. Oh. And he cut his head open. What? During, yeah, I, well, I literally spit out water. Um, spit take. I am really good at spit take, but this was my best. This life. was good. Um, no, he literally cut his head open. So like sorry. three quarters of the way through the show and there's no intermission and I thought it was part of the show. No, like didn't think anything of it. He's After, a great illusionist. I mean, yeah, weeks later, someone was like, oh, no, no, no. Like, he had to, like, go to the hospital and get staples after that. And But he finished the show. <laughs> With, like, like, blood coming out oh, of Oh, like- covered. His hand was covered in blood. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. I was like, this is unbelievable. Like, look at these How did effects. they do that? Maybe at Broadway Con, they'll show they'll us. They'll show us. But this industry and maybe sports is the only other one where they're just like you power through like but you but at least in sports on occasion I mean I did see Jerry Maguire out. and he does like get back up but a stretcher appears a stretcher comes out they huddle around them like it would have been fair if a medic had come onto the stage of the encounter and been yep. like Hey, guys, the only time it happens, I've been in, a, in shows like a couple of times where clearly something's happening in the audience. Oh, somewhat, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and they stop and you hear someone goes, there a doctor in the house. But anyway, I think this is something to consider. When should the show not go on? I was at a town hall for a concert uh, two, three years ago, whatever, up in the balcony and a man was having a heart attack and moaning like moaning Mm. howard mcgillen is on stage like powering through the music of the night as they're like taking this guy out howard has no idea this is happening but the last thing this guy's hearing is like let your mind whatever you're dying like that was the song and i was just like this is he took it really literally nothing happened. Uh, he cared (laughs) you know you're doing a good job when you say let your mind go and die yeah and he does. does. <laughs> he does. Well, I mean, that was for BroadwayCon. We first BroadwayCon, you know, we had to just keep going. The show there went was on. no, there was no other option because we had thousands and thousands of people who had paid thousands and thousands of dollars to yeah. be there. Yeah. And that's the other thing too. I think is there's a sense of responsibility because people have paid good money to see shows. I think it's, an, I mean, it's all part of the conversation about like you know people calling out sick and mm-hmm. people can return their tickets. You know, when if, if someone above the title, right, yeah. right. Um, and I just learned that though, really. I didn't know that if someone who's billed above the title, yeah. isn't in that you can get tickets for another day. And now, I think I would never do that because I've seen understudies, mm-hmm. and Same. I'm and I and I have been an understudy, and sometimes they're even better. Mm-hmm. I, I love, I mean, I love seeing understudies because. When I go, like I cheer them on. Like yeah. I love watching that sort of like freshness, and they're they're sort of like what's going on. But now again, like with the internet, what happens is Cynthia Rivo calls out of color purple, and people Everybody on Twitter knows. go crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People tweet her going, "We can't. We traveled hundreds of miles to see you." And there's they this, can be mean. There's and, a and weird there's, backlash, and there's a weird pressure on yeah. on an actors mm-hmm. to. The show must go on. Like, no matter how sick you are, no matter how hurt you are. I know, and they're hurting their voices. Like, they'll do cortisone and Mm -hmm. don't realize that they're literally, like, bursting blood vessels, but they can't feel them. So I think it's a balance. I think audiences need to uh, also be forgiving in that sense. Like, I've seen, I'm sure you've seen people call out, like, halfway through shows, too, where, like, you know, there's... Yeah, I saw Cynthia do that. Well, there's one alphabet yeah. and act in, one and wait, one alphabet. Cynthia in act two. from the color purple. In the color purple. Uh, was not in act two. She did act one and she was brilliant. She's a friend of mine. So, like, I did not see her 
sick. Like, she did not miss a note. She right. was brilliant. And then the lights dimmed. And ladies and gentlemen, for Act 2, the role of Celie will be played by... Robbie Roselle. Obviously. I was off book. <laughs> um, He's always there. I yeah. wish I could remember her name. Um, but was it Brie? Yes. Brie. She was yeah, so wonderful. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, and instantly... After the show, I tweeted out because that's not an easy thing. And Cynthia just won the Tony. And, you know, I know that's not easy. To stu- shoes to fill. And yeah, right. the, the arc of, of Celie in that color purple was so focused that t- for somebody else to step into it halfway through, halfway through that journey, that's not easy. And right. she was mesmerizing. Yeah, you see great people when things like that happen. Yeah. Was there an understudy panel? Was there? Do you know if there was? Oh, I don't. I can look through this, but there definitely was last year. I know there was last year, but I love that. I love that there is this, and there's like there's a Twitter account Shoshana runs, probably understudies Mm -hmm. that tweets every time an understudy is going on for a lead role. Mm -hmm. I think it's really exciting. I think it's. it's hard. It's like you said. It's like that's such. It's it's not easy to do. But you know, the audience feels like a proud parent. I feel like you have this collective experience when oh, mm-hmm. you know someone's going on for the first time, or they're an understudy, where you're all giving birth to this person at the same time. You want great things for them. Oh my gosh, that is yeah. all you want. I mean, Sutton Foster was an understudy. Sure was. She understudied Millie, and nothing happened for her. It's, it's really so sad. So sad. Upsetting. <laughs> I mean, every once in a while, an understudy goes on and you get why they're an understudy and Sutton Foster <laughs> She's the one. Is She's the one. The the one. one. Yeah. Isn't there a crazy story about, not Bette Midler or like, it's like one of those divas that like went on at the Winter Garden for uh, who, maybe Barbara Streisand or something okay. like that and went on, on and played Hello Dolly or was, um, I don't know what the story is, I but I don't know the story there was, at all. It, they ended up replacing whoever the lead was with the understudy. And oh. then suddenly that person is Bette Midler yes. or whoever Exactly. They are, that's what it was. It was something on. like that. Yeah. I don't remember the exact story. But that's a sudden, that's kind of what happened with Sutton. Yeah, well, my yeah. understudy from Charlie Brown, Kristen Wyatt, has become- Kristen like, Wyatt was your understudy? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And I saw her at Broadway Con yesterday, and she kept like running past me, got to do another panel on being amazing, like <laughs> <laughs> doing another panel on being the most talented, yeah. being- <laughs> And I was like, okay, but you remember? Okay, bye. That's so crazy. <laughs> could I be on your cooking show on the web? I, I mean, I could help tie your apron. There you go, right? You yeah. But there's a whole list of amazing understudies who went on. You know, I mean, she was Kristen in my understudy, oh my. and I am so proud of her. I hope the Tammy Faye Baker piece that she's been doing comes to New York because yeah. she'd be mm-hmm. amazing mm-hmm. in that. I think what's so special about Broadway Con is that the fans that are at Broadway Con are the types of people that like love the understudies and appreciate the swings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because they're such maybe Can the you most tell important my part. My listeners who may not know what a swing mm-hmm. is. So a swing is a person who is in a cast um, who covers um, multiple tracks. Sometimes they're on stage every night and a lot of times they're not, meaning they just are like hanging out backstage waiting in for case. somebody, you know, to get hurt or something goes wrong. They get the call half an hour before the show that they're going on. But swings are people that typically cover, you know, two, four, six. I mean, I, I have a friend in Newsies who covered like 12 tracks. There are people in Cats that cover like seven tracks. They have seven roles in their head. And these are yeah. full, and we're, and we're not talking like just one dance. song. Right. We're talking right. like full roles. Like you need to know where they enter, where they exit, what parts they sing in every... The harmonies, like it's a very complicated thing to do. The binders that these swings have are just huge. I, it's remarkable work what swings right. do. Mm-hmm. Um, they get paid 
even better than sometimes the lead actors, right. deservingly so. Right, because they're doing 20 jobs. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, but that's it's a really hard – I mean, I have a, a handful of friends that are swings, and it's, it's I think, very important and admirable work. Well, what I want to say is that what I felt in that room was hope. Mm-hmm. And yeah. mm-hmm. in in the face of so many people right now feeling really scared – because the unknown can both be exciting and scary. And right now we're in this very strange limbo where we're just not sure what's rhetoric and what really is going to come to pass. Yeah. And, you know, Paula Vogel, who wrote this amazing play, How I Learned to Drive, among mm-hmm. among others, and she's a really important playwright, and she's just lovely to read. Her plays are just great to read, even if you don't get a chance to see them. She said at one point during Broadway Con, I believe theater is our best hope of resistance and resilience. And I really feel like, you know, it's it's jargon, right? It's yeah. words. But collectively, the spirit that was inside Broadway Con this weekend all of us left with this feeling of community yeah. and family. Mm-hmm. We're not alone. Art heals oh. and spread the love and joy. And, you know, we've all seen it on T-shirts. It's almost become a bumper sticker slogan from Lin-Manuel Miranda's Tony Acceptance speech because it happened on the mm-hmm. day of the Pulse Club massacre. Love is love is love is love is love. And it's true. And it's it's not an easy wound to heal right now, but the more we can just keep taking the message of listening to each other. Oh, that's just, right. Yes. I can't change people's minds. I'm not going to be able to change people's minds. There are people that are just living in such a different reality. I don't know their history. I don't know what brought them to where they are, but we all feel desperate in different ways. And I think the message for me this weekend is not just resist and shout your truth, but listen to mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. And the more we can just start listening to people who we feel come from such a different headspace, yeah. that's the only way we're going to be able to do it, to understand with compassion. I think what theater is, is at its core, it's empathy. First of all, the actors have to be able to step into someone else's shoes and live their experience. Right. Um, Obviously, you can bring yourself to whatever you're doing. Sometimes it's completely unlike your own experience. Right. And you have to be able to really wash away what you know and and understand the the background of this person, the history of this person, and see the world the way that they see it. Audiences do the same thing, where you go in a theater and you escape for two and a half hours, three hours, 90 minutes, whatever, and you're you are completely engulfed in someone else's experience. And, and then transformed. Mm-hmm. And Exactly. And that is, to me, I think empathy is like the key to world peace. I think the ability for us to be able to go, like what you said, like I don't know someone else's history. Mm-hmm. I don't know someone else. And just taking the time to know that and making the effort to try instead of shutting someone down or building the wall and creating separation, right. listening and saying, you know what? I don't agree with you. I don't necessarily believe the same things you do, but I want to know why. I want to understand your – I want to see the world from the way you see it so that we can have an open discussion and we can have a conversation about it. And that's what theater is. that's what theater is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I really want to – I mean, I hope we can keep talking because it's so interesting to me. Mm. My takeaway – you know, actors have a reputation for being incredibly self-involved. And incredibly narcissistic. Yes. Lots of professions have those kinds of um, commentary (laughs) about them. But it was unbelievable to me to see this weekend 
the opposite of that. Such generosity mm-hmm. and love mm-hmm. and community and the spirit was overwhelming of togetherness. And I was so lucky to be there. I highly um, recommend people going online and looking. You know, you can see video from it. You can read blogs about it. So many people have been posting and sharing their experiences. And if you can come next year, it's really worth it. It's really amazing. Oh, I think it's totally worth it. Especially go on Twitter and see what people are saying and and what they're tweeting. Because these Mm. are real people. Again, like this is unfiltered. Like these are people tweeting real things from From their their own phones. And you can see how impassioned and emotional people were about this weekend because it is, it's just, so, it's it so special. Beautiful. It's so special. How beautiful to watch um, parents, fathers taking their children yeah. around, uh, you know, to take, walking these beautiful nerds through this beautiful thing. It yeah. was really, that was very I love the new moving. hashtag theater nerds unite. I'm yeah. like, yeah, we will. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> before we go, I don't know if you have a little known fact about yourself that you can share with me. I, in fourth grade, performed in a talent show, uh, We Are the World, by myself, a cappella, with a Sharpie t-shirt that said USA for Africa, and headphones that connected to nothing. You're welcome. <laughs> wow. You're welcome, America. Yeah. Um, wow. I'm trying to think of something little known. <laughs> Matt? Um, I know because you're a big sharer. I am. I'm very. I am. I tell people mm. I'm an open book. I'm. I'm very. I'm very open and honest. Um, well, something that maybe a lot of people don't know about me right now is that I'm a vegan. Oh. Um, and I. I think. Um, Your skin looks amazing. Thank you so much. Um, I also am wearing makeup right now because I had a video shoot this oh. morning, so I'm in full B right now. Is it vegan makeup? I hope so. Okay. I certainly hope so. All right. Well, I'm going to end our interview with. A quote from Melissa, who is one of the co-founders with Anthony Rapp of Broadway Con. And uh, that'll take us out. And I want to thank you both for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you. For being exactly who you are, the time that you spent around people who understand and agree that joy can be resistance, that art can be power, and that love is always, always, always the answer. Please remember those times and please use it. Use it to take what happened in this bubble out into the world because if we don't share what we felt this weekend, we could lose it. everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more information about my guests, go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com. I also wanted to tell you that there is now a new addition to the website. It is a button that says contributions. This podcast is a true labor of love, and I really, really want to keep doing it for a long time. So if you like listening as much as I love to do it, please feel free to contribute. It would mean the world to me. Also, on Twitter, you can find me at Alana Levine. Instagram is Little Known Facts Podcast. And on Facebook, Little Known Facts Podcast. You can also feel free to rate and review the show on the iTunes show page. This podcast is recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City. This episode was brought to you by Pro Media, located in Times Square. Pro Media offers both production and post-production services out of its beautiful studios in the heart of New York City. Pro Media Sound Vision. Find out more at promedia.nyc. 
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.